1: Hello, my name is Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words on paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Sophie Hagen is a multi-award-winning stand-up comedian, author and podcaster. She's performed critically acclaimed shows at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and sold out tours across the UK. In 2019, she published her debut book, Happy Fat, and currently hosts the BBC Sounds original true crime podcast, Bad People. And today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Hello, Sophie. How are you? Hello, Jess. I'm good. How are you? It's so lovely to, to meet you via the medium of a screen.
0: <laughs> Is uh, there
1: any other way these days? I know. The, I mean, I don't really... I, I don't miss it that much. <laughs> I quite <laughs> like seeing people through the screens. Now, today I had like an in-person meeting in Westminster and I was a bit like, Ugh, God, I've got to go yeah, downstairs. Yeah, your
2: house, yeah. put on a bra. It's yeah. like, no, I'm done with that now.
1: Putting on a bra... I don't actually do that so much anymore, though. I'll tell you a secret, Sophie. I had my boobs made smaller. Oh, really? It, yeah, I had, I had surgery to make them smaller. Uh, and now I don't... And they also lifted them up. And now I don't really need to wear a bra. So that is like, oh, you know, I'm just riding secret. out. That's the secret. That's the secret. Very painful surgery is the secret. It wasn't that painful, actually. Yeah, and then you
2: never have to wear a bra again. Never have to wear a bra. I
1: mean, I think that eventually I will need to wear one again, but at the moment I'm riding it out. So, this podcast is all about writing letters and appreciation of people. So, are you much of a letter writer?
2: Not anymore. I've become a um, voice note lever
1: instead. I literally loads of WhatsApp voice notes. I I, I don't mind. Are you one of those? Oh, just like when people send them to me. Do you send them for like six minutes?
2: Oh, I go way longer than that. Oh, God, (laughs) It becomes a
1: mini podcast just about me. Oh, my God, (laughs) this is... Like when my friends will send them to me and off I'm in a place where I can't listen to them and so then I don't ever and then like a, three days later I'll listen to it and it'll be like a really heart-wrenching problem that they've had that I have ignored. I cannot get on board with this new modernity but okay, so you you send like heartfelt messages to your loved ones via the medium of the voice note I
2: don't know if I sent heartfelt messages to to anyone <laughs> but I used to be really into letter writing and just writing in general, poetry and short stories and all of that. And I remember the most embarrassing letter-writing incident was when my, how old was I, six, seven years old, my teacher stopped at the school and I sent probably 40 pages of handwritten, a letter, seven-year-old with no boundaries. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised to hear that of somebody who leaves
1: a longer-than-six-minute voice (laughs) note.
2: it's a, it's kind of my thing It's <laughs> to just talk way too much too much, much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm a comedian it's my entire job is standing in front of hundreds of people on stage and just talking about
1: myself for an hour <laughs> you sent a 40 page letter to your teacher who was leaving
2: yeah after she'd left by the way like she'd left this was months later just like I thought we, I could be pen pals with this 40 year old did she write back? I don't think she did I think she was uh, wow I think she knew her boundaries <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm going to say, whilst it seems cruel on the face of it, as somebody who has safeguarding responsibilities, I'm quite glad that a 40-page long letter from a child, maybe a little note, a little note that just said, thank you for the letter, don't write again. (laughs) We cannot be friends. I feel like she should have have forwarded the
2: letter to like CPS or something. (laughs) (laughs) I think this kid has issues.
1: She would have been very right to do that. Oh, my God. That is that is impressive. So now you've moved on from 40-page long... I feel this is going to be the longest podcast ever. You're writing 40-page long letters. And, I mean, do you know, I'll tell you something. It's, I don't tend to read anything that anyone sends me that's more than a paragraph. What I'm realising uh, here is that I am not a very patient person.
2: <laughs> I think there are two types of people, and I feel like we are those two types.
1: Yes, OK. <laughs>
2: like we should never communicate. We can never, never After this...
1: Let's never speak again. Um, (laughs) Six minute. I'm genuinely judging somebody who sent me more than 30 seconds. Basically, the only voice note I will tolerate is my friends laughing at something that's been written. And then we all do a voice note of us just laughing in a group. Obviously I use the function quite often to speed up the voice note. So if someone has sent me a very heartfelt long voice note, they sound like Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks when I'm listening to it because I have not got the patience to listen to all of that.
2: It's <laughs> just listening to them crying in really high pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Um I'm terribly sorry about your breakup, but it did sound hilarious. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, dear. So, um, do you have any special letters that you've kept from the past? Oh,
2: I have one. I hadn't thought of celebrities.
1: I have a queen,
2: the Queen of Denmark. I have a letter from the Queen of Denmark.
1: Why did the Queen of Denmark write to you? Uh,
2: well, I wrote her first, so she's already there. Was it long? It, <laughs> Fortunately for her, it was before I really learned to spell. Um, so it was only, you know, 25 pages, but... I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to start school when I was however old, five years or something. And my mom just sort of delegated the responsibility, and She was like, well, if it was up to me, of course you shouldn't go to school. But unfortunately, that's up to the queen. It's not up to the queen. It's up to the government. But I don't know if she didn't know that or if she just didn't care. So I sent a letter to the Danish queen saying, can I please not go to school? Because I don't want to. And then I got this reply back where she was like, thank you for your drawing, because uh, I also drew her, like a little trying to bribe her, and she was like, you love school. And I was just a bit, I was a bit angry after that, with the monarchy. So did it did it make you want to bring down the monarchy, yeah, that I think uh, it got, it, interaction? It, it made me just distrust the entire system, you know, the leaders are not there to help us, <laughs> they're there to tell us that we'll love school, which is... Something I disagreed yeah, with at the know time. whether
1: you'll love school.
2: She's just guessing. She's just uh, saying, listen, kid, <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> You're not special. Go to school.
1: <laughs> oh, did the Queen of Denmark go to school for a long time? I hope so. Otherwise, that would be very hypocritical. Uh,
2: she better. Otherwise, I'm going to send another letter right now.
1: That, that, I think that this is going to be the first spin-off of an actual letter <laughs> from a letter on this podcast where, I mean, I reckon... You know, between us, we can get a response from the Queen of Denmark about her education. We could first off, we'll Wikipedia <laughs> it, and then we will. Yeah, let's start. There. Let's start with Wikipedia before we start questioning the Queen of Denmark, who I am sure is an absolutely delightful woman. Uh, She's really cool. Uh, She's a very cool woman. Is she? Well, Apart from go, that one that thing, that one thing where she told me to go to school already. And the league table of people who have a letter that they've kept. We've got. Alistair Campbell, he came on it. Now, he, like, worked for lots of world leaders, so obviously he's got letters from world leaders, like, wh- whatever, there's no ch- challenge there. But now, you know, we've got somebody who had, like, sort of slightly fractious message from Nelson Mandela, and you, a very fractious message from the Queen of Denmark. This is... I just don't think anyone's going to be able to top royalty. I think that's the, that's the absolute top we're ever going to get. Oh really? That you've you've totally smashed it out of the park there. I've, I've forgiven you for your very long voice notes. Uh, now we have to try. We spend the rest next year trying to get the Queen of Denmark to send you a very long voice note. <laughs> that, yes, please. Or oh, she can just pay off my student debt because she her put me
2: into that situation. Yeah. Yeah. She she made me.
1: Ah. Oh, well. Well, we'll get on to the Queen of Denmark about that. So. The letters I've asked you to write are about celebrating people uh, that that mean a lot to you. And there are three different letters. And the first letter is to somebody who means the world to you. So who would your letter be to, Sophie?
2: I would send a letter slash very long voice note, uh, because I know they appreciate it, because I've done it before, (laughs) to, um, to the artist called Travis Alabanza who I'm very pleased to to call a friend, but I'm also a fan of theirs. Do you know them? No. Oh, you
1: must. I, Travis Alabanza.
2: Yeah, I don't know how to describe them. So they do theatre. And I'm very uncultured when it comes to stuff like that. But they're very funny. So it's like funny theatre. Regardless
1: of that education that you had, you've uncultured. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. I, listen, I uh, I don't give in. Once I've made my decision to <laughs> not like school, I stick by it. <laughs> but I, I actually saw Travis's show and they're a non-binary uh, artists. They do poems and performances and these theatre, what's it called? Plays. It's, it's hard to describe just how... So I didn't know that I was non-binary, uh, which I think a lot of people can relate to because it's something that feels so new to a lot of us. So I just thought that, oh, this is probably how being a woman feels, you know, oh, being a woman feels like you, you're you really not a woman. <laughs> like You feel like you hate being called a woman. You feel like... You know, it feels wrong. Well, I really thought that that was just how everyone felt. Really? Yeah, because I just assu- cause everyone told me I was a woman. So I was like, okay, so I'm a woman. I guess this is the female experience. It's just never wanting to be called a woman or a girl or a lady and feeling a bit sick whenever I'm referred to as that because it feels, it feels like being called the wrong name. And you're like, you're not talking to me. This isn't real. And then whenever someone calls you person, like human... And then you start being referred to as them. It's just this is like a relief. And I knew Travis a bit before I found out that I was non-binary. And I was having a it was between New Year's, uh, between Christmas and New Year's. You know that weird space of time where
1: it's my favorite time of year. Yeah,
2: it's just, but everything is. I bit, literally love it. It's a bit w- weird and like time doesn't really exist. And it's like a it's, you're recovering and waiting at the same time. It's it's this magical time. And I was just walking around in my in my little room, and uh, and then I, Travis had done something on, some radio show talking about being non-binary, and there was something about listening to that, I just felt so overwhelmed with. I guess it's the opposite of gender dysphoria, like it's gender euphoria where you just realize you know what this is it, this is this feels right, and I left a very long voice voice note to Travis where I said. I, I, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a woman. And it was the first time I'd said that out loud. And I couldn't have said that to many people other than, than Travis, because there's something about the way Travis um, navigates gender, sexuality, um, society, identity that just feels so familiar like you don't even need to know them personally to feel at home when you listen to them talk or when you're with them. The only way I can describe them is to say like they feel like oh it sounds so wanky, but like like hope. No, it's like all right. Home. Sound wanky, it's all, yeah. all right. <laughs> There's no home. Home, like hope. You know, you like you've carried a a rock on your shoulders for your whole life, and now you can breathe and just because they just are so. Accepting, and they did my my podcast, which is called Who Hurt You, and we did it live, one of the very few live episodes. And literally, after every sentence they said, they got an like a an applause break. Like everything they said was just empowering in itself, and I felt a bit overshadowed. To be fair, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't invite them back on. Yeah,
2: oh yeah, never again.
1: <laughs> <It's> absolutely unfair. <laughs> Travis and the Queen of Denmark are. A- <laughs> put in the list, um, so you, so you knew, but you knew Travis before um, a little bit before listening to this awakening. What was it about this particular moment? Do you think?
2: I think it was just timing. You know, you know when something clicks, and then it takes someone like Travis, who's so uh, sort of compa- I think compassionate and. There's something like freeing and open about the way they see the world. And every time I've had a a question or something that I didn't really know, or couldn't understand about me and gender in general, I would ask them and they would just have this calm sort of, hey, you know, things change all the time and you can be non-binary now and then realize that that's not you or, you know, gender doesn't even really exist. And like, just you can be whoever you are and and that's okay and that just and I think that would be good for absolutely everyone to hear like hey it's okay you're fine you don't have to live up to anything or fit into a box you can just be and that's okay and things can be
1: fluid and ever-changing you can change your mind as well like you know there's no no shame in you know I I, I find as I get older I find it difficult to Understand how people can stick with one thing like their whole life, like a belief system. Now, some things are maybe much more fundamental, and so you you don't change those. But it's sort of like you know, when I was eleven, I thought I was going to escape my whole life, <laughs> you know. Like, and I thought that people like who like had mortgages. And my son at the moment, my son is sixteen, and just before I took him to the Odeon cinema yesterday, he said to me. Capitalism has just ruined all fun. I like that. I, I guess you don't want to go to the cinema then. Um, and I hope he never.
2: I hope he never gets rid of
1: that belief. <laughs> it, it's just like really, really like fierce at the moment. Like I'm going to slag off capitalism at every opportunity. But you know, I, I think that the idea that people will change some of their, uh, you know, the fundamentals of their identity as well. And it happens in life all the time, like my identity changed overnight when I became a mother, for example and and the way the world viewed me and the way I viewed myself um, and my place and role in the world you know these are complicated things that we don 't necessarily like and I don't know what, whether I was expecting that or whatever. So our identity does fundamentally change from both the the way that pe- people perceive us and so therefore how we act to feel and fit in it, that, and also ourselves, it just does just change. It does just change. Uh, being okay with that and rather than like either, you know, just satisfied with your lot or is that's a good thing to just feel like, oh, well, I feel like Travis sounds quite laid back as well. Like easy. When you say when you say home, it's like what I imagine is someone who's just like, oh well, like be alright. Yeah.
2: Just there just there for people. And not even in a way
1: where you you know
2: you know there are those people who are so good that you feel really bad when you're with them because you think, Oh, I should be like this. Like Travis isn't even that. Like Travis is still a flawed, funny you know, mess of a person, but there's still this energy of, yeah, but that's okay. Like, you're okay. We're, we'll be fine. And I think in a world where we all want to be put into, I mean, we feel comfortable being in a box because then we have the guidelines. Like, oh, if I'm in this box, you know, if I'm a woman, I need to follow these rules and wear these things and act like this, you know. And there's a scary thing to things being uncertain. And you need someone like Travis to. To be the, this example of how uncertainty can be incredibly beautiful and life-affirming and fun. I have a few friends that I talk to every day. And then a lot of people that I don't... And, I, and Travis is one of these people that I don't actually speak to that often. So it depends how you or how Travis interprets, uh, you know, long radio silence, you know. Like some people that some people will just say, OK, well, you never really replied to my messages. So you're probably not interested in the friendship where I just will receive a message from Travis and I'll go, oh, I love them. And then forget to reply for three months. <laughs> so I hope that they know.
1: I would rather that. I would rather that than a long voice note. <laughs>
2: we'll, we'll be the best of friends. We'll just never speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: going to be perfect.
2: That's the thing. And so I was like, I hope I hope they know. Like, I try to tell them often, but I'm not really... I think my my words sometimes seem different
1: than my actions. If you were writing a letter then, or a very long voice note, to tell them how much Travis means to you, how would you sign off the letter to get that across?
2: I would say... Thank you for showing me where home is. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, isn't
1: it? But also, writing to a poet is terrifying, isn't it? Oh, God, the worst. My brother's a poet and, oh, he does all these meaningful things that are like occasions in our lives. And I've just got nothing. Yeah. At public speaking, but like... It's too much pressure. Just like, oh, it's way too much... I' think I'd like to learn an instrument really beautifully, like, like the harp or something. You need to learn like a really like poignant instrument for events. Writing to a poet is tricky exactly yeah i don't doesn't sound to me like Travis is the judgy type though not of that, I think <laughs> I
2: think they'd be really good at watching some trashy TV with, and then we could bitch about everyone on the TV show, but I think they'd be okay with my words. <laughs>
1: For somebody to feel like themselves because of the words of another person, and not just the words, but the demeanour and expression of another person, it's like a, a tremendous gift to be able to give to somebody. And when you're receiving it, you want to show gratitude. That sort of, like, to give that gift to somebody and for them to receive it is a gift in itself.
2: I'd hope so. I don't think they're going to be like, oh... Sophie again.
1: <laughs> Maybe. Once I was really nice about my husband on a podcast and I uh played it to him. He pays no attention to most things uh that I do. Not and not out of any malice, It's just like I am a diff I, my identity is different to him than the one that goes on things. And I was like, oh but listen to this, I said all oh, really nice things about you, and he was just like, Oh, he sound like a knob. <laughs>
2: That's love, isn't it? That's what you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For someone to say,
2: oh, shut up with your podcast.
1: Yeah, yeah, God, get over it. Yeah, yadda, yadda, you love me. Whatever. I love that. Uh, So that's nice. So either reaction from Travis will be a delight. So the second letter that we have asked you to write is for somebody who you appreciate but is no longer around.
2: Yeah. So my father is a bit of a... Can you swear on this podcast? Yeah, you can swear. <laughs> a prick. Let's just say prick. That's a nicer way of saying it. Okay.
1: Oh, uh, so it's, <laughs> it's also much better than most of the swear words because it's, it's like diminutive. Like, yeah. I mean, prick. yeah.
2: And I think people know... <laughs> What I really want to say there, But he so he left when I was a child and sort of wasn't there and, you know, popped in and out sometimes. And then it was just like not a not a dad. And then when I turned 16, I was very, very depressed, super depressed. And like I couldn't function, I couldn't go to school, despite what the queen had told me. Uh, (laughs) I was just, you know, in bed under my duvet, just crying all the time, really depressed. And I very clearly needed therapy. Like my GP sent me to psychiatric ward and was like, like, you need help. So I had to get therapy. Uh, My mother is or was is quite poor, so she couldn't afford it. So she was like, well, your dad has some money, so like we should invite him over and then ask him if he can help pay for the therapist. So he came over and his first reaction was just, oh like, can't you just, you know, get yourself together, just go to school? Like, what's the, and I was like, who are you, the queen? Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst people in my life. Uh, so he was being very sort of, oh, you know, just stop complaining and all these things that I think many people who've been depressed have heard from other people saying. And <laughs> I was quite, this is a bit dark, but I felt quite cool. Because he kept saying, like, oh, you know, it's it's too much money. It's too expensive for you to just sit and have a chat with someone. So I went into my room and I did some Googling and I came out and I said, I've done all the costs for um, a funeral. So you can choose between paying, you know, 50 pounds a week or this amount right now. Which is dark. I will give you that. Like, that's yeah. a lot. But also, <laughs> it, helped, it worked. So he then... Um, Decided, like, said yes to helping me pay for this therapist. And she. It's the person I want to send the letter
1: to, I was gonna say, I didn't know where that was going like to your dad. No. I was like, That Ooh, could I have a dark letter. No, I'm, 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 I'm. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, first of all, I'm no, just I'm giving up on that. So, your therapist is the person that you want to, right? First yes. of all, I'm just gonna say, cut, as yeah? a uh, member of the parliament who is obsessive about equality and also public services being provided properly. I am stunned to hear that in Denmark that you couldn't get access to free counselling because I have been led to believe that Denmark is the land of milk and honey by comparison to the United
2: Kingdom. <laughs> I mean, there's free milk and honey, but no therapy. <laughs> okay, no, I, think, right. I think Denmark works sort of in the same way as it does with the NHS, where you can technically get some help, some free counselling, but then it's like 10 sessions and it'll usually be... You know you have to wait a certain time and it was just a bit I, and i tried one and she was it was just not she kept wanting me to draw myself as a tree and i was like i, I can't deal with this like this is not we're not on the same
1: page here so i once had found- therapy and they tried to ask me about my dad and i wasn't upset about my dad and i just thought oh god i can't do this I don't want to talk about my dad he's fine <laughs> unlike yours you had to talk about him <laughs>
2: Oh, I was like, listen, is my dad, my grandfather. Like, I know exactly what's wrong. And she was like, what, Can you draw yourself as a tree? I was like, no, I want to talk about my dad. Like, <laughs> just get to the point. So we found this very amazing one, but she wasn't uh, part of the sort of free scheme. So we did have to pay for it. And... Um, what was her name? Uh, Penilla, Very Danish. Penilla Gilsi. And she was just extraordinary. She had this practice in the basement of her home. And so I would go to, to her house and see her. And she was just this warm, wonderful woman, a bit sort of, um, <laughs> a bit quirky. So she'd be incredible at, you know, therapy. And then sometimes she'd say something like, I'd say, oh, I've had an argument with my, boy- with my boyfriend. And she'd say, do you think that maybe, like in a past life, you like knew each other? And I was like, what? <laughs> No, it's because of my dad. She'd be like, "Okay, okay, okay," and then we talk <laughs> about proper therapy. But she was just incredible, and I saw her for about six years. And towards one of the last sessions, I had just begun working for UNICEF, so I was really annoying and just like, "Why isn't everyone helping to save the world?" Like, like I am. I we didn't really have much more to talk about because I was fine, like I was doing well. So I was instead trying to say like, oh, shouldn't you be supporting UNICEF? Like I can sign you up for a annual membership of UNICEF. <laughs> like really annoying. And then she said, um, oh, I, I mean, I do, she said, I do charity, but I do it in other ways. And she said, uh, I sometimes see clients for free. And I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. I was like, because I know about that feeling. Like I know not being able to afford it. And like, that is incredible. You're like saving people's lives by doing this. And she said- well, I, no big deal. Like, I like you. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, what do you mean? And I was like, I, I'm very confused. And she said, well, your dad stopped paying after six months. And I had no idea. So my dad had stopped paying and she then seen me for free for five and a half years. Like, she literally saved my life. That is, I was absolutely stunned and i was like i can't believe i just shouted at you about unicef
1: i was gonna say that unicef story does not paint you well even before yeah. you had the payoff of the story <laughs> like,
0: you oh, are I'm my you I are my now. son
1: you are my annoying child i'm like oh give it around all i've ever wanted to be was just a little son so to that.
2: that's actually how i identify um, <laughs> Many people do. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so she is... I, I mean, I hope she knows, but I would just... I don't think any human can really fully understand. I don't think anyone can comprehend having saved someone's life. Like, I think that's too big for a human to properly understand.
1: I think in mechanics they probably can, in the sense that, like, a surgeon... Can understand the mechanics of saving somebody's life and like feel like well I'm like a brilliant surgeon I'm basing this entirely on Grey's Anatomy Um, (laughs) but uh, I think I can do a Whipple operation because of the amount of Grey's Anatomy I've watched but uh, so I think but I don't think you can and I don't think that most people who are involved in helping people the only way to react to that is to shrug it off (laughs) because it's like it's like a shield. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it has to be it has to be like an everyday thing. You can't sit around the dinner table and think I've saved 70 people's lives. Like how can you ever like I I feel like I've heard so many yeah, surgeons and people like that say, "Oh, but you know, you are the one who went to seek help, so in a way you've helped yourself and stuff like that." Well, no, actually. Like yeah, had, yeah. Like if she had yeah. said to me sorry like i can't can't. and she would be fully within her rights to say i'm not being paid for my job anymore so i can't help you like that would make complete sense but she just didn't and she never brought it up and i i don't believe i was in a place mentally where i would have survived that so that is like quite literally her doing that and so in a way (laughs) Like, so and I don't. I don't. She went to a few of my stand-up shows a bit later on when, she, obviously, when I'd stopped seeing her, which felt very strange. I was just like, oh no, <laughs> I was so I was so saint. Like last time she saw me, and I was all like UNICEF, and now I'm on stage telling fat jokes.
1: <laughs> she must Can be I just thinking, say uh, of I've all the people the I could have saved? <laughs> No, I would be grateful to have saved you uh, in, 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 your non, in, in the non-UNICEF. Not that I have any problem with UNICEF. I work with UNICEF no, great. all the time. <laughs> I just think lecturing a woman who's looked after you for six years about joining oh, UNICEF. Oh, so I was so annoying. I
2: was so annoying.
1: We're all very annoying now. I think that we need to lean into the fact that we've all been very, very annoying, especially in youth. And then I think you get really annoying again. At every stage, in fact, there's an annoying era to be had.
2: Yeah, I think it's unfortunately like a human human kind of thing where you reach a certain level of annoying and then you start a Twitter account.
1: Yes, and then the whole world can <laughs> see how annoying you are. Um, so, Penilla, wow, what a woman. What a woman. And presumably, I mean, your dad did not come out of that story well at all. No. <laughs> no. That is dreadful. Did you? Did your mum know that your dad had stopped paying?
2: No, no, because then she would Nobody have knew. found yeah. a way to pay, which you couldn't have, you know, but she would have... Like, that would have been a thing, and none of us knew. We just assumed he kept doing it.
1: You're absolutely right that it saves people's lives, there, and I see people all the time who cannot access proper talking therapies for more than like you know a sort of sick session and even that you're waiting two years for and, and then it'll be uh, something
2: like cognitive behavioral therapy which is good if it's you know you're dealing with part a of the of stress things. or yeah some of that but if it's trauma therapy which is what so many people need that is not something you get fixed in six sessions. Like I'm still in therapy now, like once a few years ago, I needed it again and I've seen my specialist trauma therapist for three years now and I have two therapists now and the other one I've seen for uh, almost a year and I'm still like, so that in total, I've probably been in therapy for 10, 15 years and I'm still not completely okay. So there was, there's no way that would have been fixed by six sessions of CBT.
1: Have either of your therapists signed up to support UNICEF?
2: <laughs> I'm going to save that for the last session to be. I, I have a That's question your classic you. out. <laughs> I oh, know how Lord. much I paid you, and I know that just 10% of that could potentially save a small village. I yeah.
1: think you're, you're absolutely right about uh, trauma, though. We, we're nowhere near in this country in any way ready to accept that the physical problems that are caused by people who have deep-seated trauma. It is the beginning and end of everything that I deal with as a social ill. Incidents of trauma in every single uh, substance misuse case that I've ever handled, every single mental health case I've ever handled. Um, Obviously, rape and sexual violence and domestic abuse. The idea that they have a physical trauma, the internal trauma never seems to override a black eye, whereas it is the thing that will... Hurt them for decades into the future, and no one ever tries to deal with it. They just deal with the, the the consequences of the trauma, rather than dealing with the trauma itself. It would just be cheaper. if We just went straight to the source, but
2: yeah, because it's passed down, and like it's it's like if you have if you do look at it from a capitalist perspective, which is what the, the current government is doing, then it would be. Like in their best interest to make sure this was fixed right now because it's going to be passed down. It's going to be, it's like poverty in itself is super traumatizing and uh, like social like social trauma as well, right? Like racism, sexism, all of that is also traumatizing. So it's actually in everyone's best interest. Like if you want everyone to be a good worker to make money for your bosses and your landlords, then it would be really good for you if you made sure the people felt really happy. <laughs> So it's good for for all parties. But unfortunately, to quote your son,
1: capitalism is the worst. (laughs) Yes, he is really a philosopher (laughs) in his own right, my son. He paid the, you know, the sort of £9 for what amounts to about three grams of popcorn yesterday. Uh, And the suggestion that he wouldn't have it was literally as if I was harming him worse than capitalism. But uh, (laughs) anyway, he's not here to defend himself, so... (laughs) No, but I'm here to you defend. you are yeah. here to defend him, yeah. and you identify as him. So feel free totally. to yeah. yeah. His also that actually is a, an interesting point is that hypocrisy is a weak argument because we're all hypocrites. In fact, and actually, if, if if you have to be perfect in order to think anything, then nobody would think anything at all. So I shall defend my myself, myself. by just say, <laughs> just tell your dad is what I'm going to say about that. Talk to your dad about capitalism. <laughs> if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Penilla and a system where people could access free at the point of delivery trauma, proper trauma informed care, I think genuinely would save the world. So Penilla did her little bit to save the world. She sounds awesome as well. That whole past life thing made me like her yes, a bit more, sort of quirky.
2: Like so somehow in the middle of a, pr- like she's a really, she really knows a lot. And so she'll go into talking about like neuroscience and then she'll go. And then of course there's your aura. Like, <laughs> no, back up a bit. And <laughs> let's, let's talk about the, the brain again. Oh,
1: God. Yeah. Let's go back to science. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also realise I didn't ask you what your sign up to, um, to Pinilla would be.
2: Oh, yeah, that would be um, no take backs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> no, it, it, <laughs> I would say thank you for being my real dad.
1: Oh, that's lovely. That is lovely. If only she had been your real dad, you know.
2: Imagine that, twist. Yeah, imagine. <laughs> that would that, then, then I would definitely have needed more therapy. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, I love the way in soap operas, when that sort of thing is revealed, then everybody just sort of gets over it by the next episode. and It's just sort of like, I feel like there needs to be some quite serious talking about this that would go on in normal life.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. I know a lot of people who would just close their eyes and go, oh, well... Let's pretend this didn't happen.
1: Oh, well. My dad's really my brother. Like, (laughs) seems like a big deal to me.
0: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right?
1: So the final letter uh, that I have asked you to write is to somebody who maybe doesn't know what a significant a role they played in your life. So somebody who has affected you, but doesn't know.
2: Yeah, so <laughs> I'll weirdly have to go with uh, one of my very closest friends, uh, Michelle. I had a girlfriend when I was 18, 19 or something. And she introduced me to her friend, who was Michelle. So I immediately hated Michelle and thought she was uh, just a huge bitch because I was jealous or whatever. And then I found out that my girlfriend at the time was not nice. <laughs> really not nice. So I sort of fled from the f- the flat where I lived to get away from her because she was best friends with my housemate. Drama. And I ended up moving to this huge uh, student housing block of flats there were probably hundreds hundreds of flats and the first morning after I'd moved in I opened my door to go to the communal kitchen and the door in the room in front of me opened and it was Michelle and super awkward and what are the odds I mean the Denmark's are quite big odds because there's only like 10 people living there but still so I I mean it's not
1: Iceland it's not Iceland (laughs) it could be worse could be Iceland they have to have an app to see if they're related to each other
2: I mean, it still feels it feels very similar to that. But so I ended up spending that morning with Michelle, and she was very scared. She was like, "Does this mean that she's gonna start turning up here, your your girlfriend?" I was like, "No, no, don't worry, we're not together." And um and then we started bonding over both like hating this woman I'd been seeing because she was <laughs> very not nice, and I ended up becoming friends with Michelle. And Michelle is this very um very beautiful thin conventionally attractive cool sort of fashionable very sarcastic humor highly 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 intelligent woman and i was just sort of nerdy and fat and like very socially awkward and and i would have to like the five years i lived next door to her i would have to watch her be really annoying and michelle was just a very arrogant, annoying person. And she was a bit of a bitch to other people. And I felt like a bit bad in her company, but also I felt very sort of honored that she would even be my friend. And then I moved to the UK and sort of started fading Michelle out because I was like, I actually don't really like her that much. But it's very hard breaking up with a friend, you know, it's very hard because you, you don't want to have, like, a conversation. So you try to fade it out. And then, you know, I'd end up spending New Year's with her and that would actually be quite fun. So then I'd say, okay, no, maybe she is cool. And then six months would go by and she would be really annoying again. I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going to end it. And then suddenly she would have some kind of breakthrough and she would realize something about herself. And I'd think, oh, I'll just stick around a bit longer because, like, maybe she's going to get better and then again, she ended up being really annoying. And then as she would be like, suddenly she would move to Paris. I'd be like, okay, well, that's worth sticking around for to see is she going to be a better person now? And then again, she'd be annoying. And I'm so happy <laughs> that I stuck it out because within the last couple of years, like this is 12 years after we met, she has turned into the most incredible person and she she can suddenly see her privilege she understands how the world um, sees her she has become so emotionally mature and she can suddenly deal with her feelings and she's become a really wonderful person like a person who means the world to me now that I couldn't live without I speak to her every day and and now I don't know how to tell her because I'm still in like this defense mode Cause she's been so annoying for so long. So now she can suddenly say, Sophie, I love you. I'm so happy you're my friend. And I'm like, um cool. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> because it's so weird, she's suddenly this amazing person. And I felt so good about myself for so long, like, at least I'm not as bad as her. And now she's so much better. Oh no. I don't know how to I don't know how to deal with that.
1: <laughs> oh i mean i I normally have got something up my sleeve uh advice wise but yeah i don 't know that story was like a roller coaster. I was thinking i 'm looking forward to the bit where Michelle like you know basically walks us off into the sunset and you never see her again, and that 's why she, you know she doesn 't realize the effect she had on you by leaving uh, but it turned out <laughs> that people do get better and change and grow and have experiences that make them into better people and
2: she's not one of the things that makes her so amazing is that she's now single and really just likes it and we used like our entire sort of youth when we were in our early 20s would be about you know who's getting male attention and you know oh I'm seeing this guy I'm I made out with this guy and it would be this competition and it would be god I I was like her wingman for so long and it was the worst thing ever just having to sit next to her making out with some guy just oh it's the worst and now we're both single and so happy about it and instead of talking about really annoying bland men and their problems that they don't know how to fix themselves we talk about like our dreams and work and values and we dream about like when we're 60 or 50 or maybe even next year we'll buy some house in the countryside of Denmark and just have a bunch of dogs and then that'll be our life and we don't need to deal with any men anymore. And like, that is such a beautiful way to end up as two friends who are not men, you know?
1: Does Michelle recognise that she was very... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I I don't know if she knows...
1: uh, I like the sound of Michelle.
2: But she's also just a very, very confident person. So she's also very... Like, oh, yeah, it was very annoying, but you're know, still better than everyone else. And I have to give, like, that is true. She is, she is better than a lot of people.
1: It's a pain when that's true, yeah. isn't it? It's really a pain when somebody gets to be, like, clever and beautiful and then arrogant, but their arrogance is accurate.
2: Yeah, and, yeah, I think a lot of fat people can relate to the having that
1: thin, beautiful friend. How would you sign off your letter to Michelle, then?
2: I would say, okay, you're pretty great. Okay, (laughs) I don't I can't be, I don't know how to be like emotional with her. I'm not used to her being able to handle emotions. So I have have to like really get it together and say I'm very happy that I didn't (laughs) throw you out of my life, despite how utterly annoying you were. And I do love you. So, fuck you. <laughs>
1: yeah, I like, I like that as a good finish. Fuck you, Michelle. That's all she could, can get at this point. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I will
2: have to follow in her footsteps and also become good at what she's now good at. I've just been sitting idly by while she's improved so massively that it's probably my turn
1: to, <laughs> to also improve now. Improve? Yeah. Nah, you seem all right. I mean, you've stopped that UNICEF. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I'm still doing the voice notes, though. So. the voice, Room for improvement is my review on that regard. So we had your first letter to Travis Alabanza and your second letter to Penilla, and your third letter to Michelle, who I feel like deserves it and doesn't deserve it, um, which is like her charm of being like... Oh, you are actually quite good, um, and I hope that they listen to this. And I hope that well, Penilla, I think there's an outside chance, really, in Penilla's case. Is but, this
2: just your way of getting listeners, just getting three yes, new definitely. listeners for every People episode. listening to
1: see if they've been, <laughs> they've been thanked. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. People uh, pe- I mean, in Parliament, there is it when anyone writes a book, uh, like you know, sort of like memoirs. Um, not like an interesting book they will often do an index of like you know all the different things uh, and people just go to the back and look for themselves in the book like members of parliament will be like oh I didn't get a mention (laughs) Um, I mean mean, I feel like for a
2: lot of politicians it's probably best to not be mentioned in any books exactly it's it's never good avoid being
1: mentioned yeah avoid being mentioned but yeah, everybody just wants to be a bit player in everybody else's story. Uh, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm essentially saying they might mention you, so you should listen, uh, like and subscribe. I'd <laughs> like
2: to apologise to everyone I did not mention. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know. Who's, everyone who's listening, who knows Sophie and hasn't been mentioned, oh well. Maybe
2: just think about it like with the politicians. Like maybe you sh- Maybe it's good that you weren't mentioned. I mean, you've heard how I've spoken about the people
1: I have mentioned.
2: And like, even yeah, that wasn't. they were that largely
1: great. <laughs> mad, annoying, and <laughs> I'll ignore you for three months at a time. So I'm, I'm going to say it has been a total pleasure, Sophie, to chat with you. It's been fun. Uh, Thank you for having contrary me. to all the evidence, I think that we could be good friends. Uh, but uh, it's contrary <laughs> yeah, to all the evidence. <laughs>
2: Tell your son that I love him. Oh,
1: I certainly will. He will be thrilled. And he, could
2: ne- he should never, ever, ever grow out of thinking that capitalism is the worst.
1: <laughs> capitalism is the worst. Uh, it has been a total pleasure, Sophie. Thank you so much. Likewise.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, Make sure you follow Your Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? And you can also follow us on social media. We're at
0: Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much.